This is the How'd You Get Into That Podcast with Graham Baldwin, episode 31. Let's go! Welcome to the How Did You Get Into That Podcast. Each week, we want to bring you an inspiring interview or encouraging message to help you find and do work you love. Now, here's your host, Grant Baldwin. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to episode 31. My name is Grant, and it is just a delight to have you joining us today and uh, so good to so good to hang out with you always just like being with you I know that this this podcast is a uh, it seems like a one-way road you know it's, it's me talking to you you're driving down the road you're at the gym you're at the office sneaking this in right now into your ear- earbuds and in your soul but I always love hearing from you and uh, so I feel I feel like it's a little two-way street here. So I do hope you're doing well. I hope this podcast is helping you out, encouraging you, inspiring you. Today, we've got a, a great, great episode that I'm really excited to uh, to share with you. But first, I want to give a quick shout out to today's sponsor, 99designs.com. Listen, if you have not had a chance to check them out, what are you waiting for, my friends? If you're Whether you're an entrepreneur or an employee and you're just looking for a design on uh, t-shirts, websites, logos, car wraps, I mean, you can get anything designed. I'm telling you, you're going to get something that you love. And here's why. Because you have literally dozens of designers that are competing to deliver you the best possible design. There's a 100% money back guarantee. So you really, ultimately, you got nothing to lose. So uh, if you haven't had a chance already, make sure that you stop by and check them out. You can go to 99designs.com slash grant. You can pick up a $99 power pack of services for free today. So again, make sure you stop by, check them out, 99designs.com slash grant. Now, today's episode, we've got my friend Travis Sherry hanging out with us today. Travis is a uh, he runs a website and podcast called Extra Pack of Peanuts, and really at, at one point he just decided he was going to make travel a really really key part of his life. And this is something I hear from a lot of people who just say, "Man, I love to travel. I wish I could do it more. I wish I could make it a priority." Travis was someone who's just like, no, it, it is going to be a priority, and it's not just something I'm going to talk about, but something I'm going to live. So I think you're really going to dig his story today of how he's literally been all around the world and uh, how he can inspire and encourage you to be able to do the same. So uh, let's get to the interview. Uh, stick around afterwards. I've got some uh, exciting new info and some stuff to share with you, so uh, you're not going to want to miss that. So without further delay, delay, delu, delu, adieu, delay. I think I have did this. I'm falling off the rails right now. Let's just get to the interview. Roll it. All right, today I'm joined by my friend Trav Sherry of Extra Pack of Peanuts. Trav, what's going on, man? Hey, I'm glad to be here. This is going to be fun. Yeah, dude, let's do it. So you run the site Extra Pack of Peanuts where you, you teach people about traveling, about doing more travel, about traveling for cheaper. So tell us a little bit about your business today and what makes up this Extra Pack of Peanuts site. Yeah, so the main hub of my business is the website, and it's extrapackofpants.com, and you can go there, and you know, there's a lot of writing on there. There's also a podcast that I do, so much like you're doing this podcast here, I do one that's kind of travel and entrepreneurship related. We do that once a week. So there's a lot of nuances to the business. It's all based around the site. The site, you know, I, I, like I said, I do the blog there. I also do some consulting, and a lot of that is built around the fact that I'm trying to help people travel more and spend less. So one of the huge ways we do it is we teach people about frequent flyer miles. We teach people how to earn hotel points so that they can stay for free. We teach people about you know renting apartments as opposed to staying and paying in a hotel. So all these kind of tips and tricks that I've picked up over the last four or five years of almost full-time travel, I teach other people so that they can say, 
hey, I want to go to my dream destination. I didn't think it was possible. You know, everyone thinks travel thousands and thousands of dollars. And I say, wait a second, there's a lot of ways that you can do it where it's probably going to cost you the same amount as if you stayed home. And so that's what I try to teach people there. And, you know, like I said, a lot of arms of the business, but the main thing is the website. Yeah, I really dig what you do and, and just the, the message behind it. Because, yeah, you're, you're teaching people some of the, the travel hacking, you know, tips and strategies and stuff that you and I geek out on. But I think you're also really like pushing travel as part of a lifestyle and making it a priority for people. Because so many people would say, I would love to travel more, but they just never make it a priority. And so you are someone, and I think in some ways, I, I'd try to do the same thing with my own family. I'm just saying, no, no, like travel is a big deal to us. And so we're going to take a lot of trips throughout the year. And we're not going to spend money over there because we're choosing to spend money on travel and those type of experiences and memories for, you know, with our spouses, with our kids, with our families, like those types of things for us really, really matter. So I think what you've done to just teach people about travel and making it a priority is, is really, really significant. Yeah, exactly. It changed my life dramatically. You know, when I was 21, I had never been out of the country. I, I took a trip to Paris and, and I enjoyed that. But really, the genesis of it all was when I did an internship in Lausanne, Switzerland. So I just finished my master's degree. I think I was 25 or 26. And I took this trip and I lived abroad for the first time. It was four months there. And that's when it really struck me that, okay, this is a lot different than going somewhere for two weeks or one week or something like that. I want this type of lifestyle. I want to be able to live where I want to live. You know, obviously the whole genesis of that then is being able to work on your own schedule and creating your own business and all. But I wanted to be able to travel to where I wanted to travel to stay as long as I wanted or as short as I wanted. And I just realized that this one or two week vacation thing wasn't working for me. And so on the site, I try to teach people, okay, you know, no travel is wrong. If you want to go on a cruise, if you want to do an all-inclusive, that's fine. I've, I've done those. I think they're great ways for people to travel. But I also then say, if you want to make travel a bigger part of your life, and I think a lot of people do. They want this freedom that, that comes with travel and this you know, really rich lifestyle, these rich experiences that you can't get from home. Here's how to do it. And then uh, you know, there's two parts to that. One is you, know, you need the money to be able to do it. So I teach a lot also of how you can create your own business. How can you get this freedom, you know, break away from the nine to five? And then the other big piece is, all right, how can you save money when traveling? Because not everyone's going to make a million dollars. I certainly don't. So what are the ways that you can travel for a lot less than you think? Cool. Well, let's backtrack a little bit. So you're uh, growing up. What was it that you wanted to do? Yeah. Interestingly enough, you know, obviously, like most people, I wanted to play professional sports. That was I realized that was not happening probably by the time I was 12. I was, st I was deluding myself from nine to 12. 12, I was like, no, this isn't happening. <laughs> and I had this entrepreneurial spirit, but I didn't really ever harness it. And so when I was in high school, I, I really enjoyed high school. I had a great experience. I you know, became pretty good friends with some of my teachers. My mom was a teacher. So for me, I thought this is a great profession. I really want to get into teaching. So that happened probably around you know junior year of high school. It, it crystallized in my mind like, yep, I'd like to get an education. I went to university. I bounced around to a few universities, but I ultimately came out with a, a bachelor's in education and a bachelor's in history and you know became a social studies teacher for three or four years and really did enjoy doing it. It wasn't the idea that I hated my job and I broke away from it. It was, all right, I really enjoyed doing this for the first three years, but I can't see myself doing it for 30 years. I'm not going to be the teacher who comes in, teaches 30 years, gets their retirement, and, and is happy about it. I wanted more. And, and travel kind of played a part in that because I started, because I did a little more traveling then at that point when I was teaching. That's when it really grabbed a hold of me. And I started thinking, 
yeah, I just don't want to be in the same place for 30 years. And I went back, did a master's degree, and then that's when I landed in Switzerland with this uh, internship with the International Baseball Federation. And then that's when I started saying, all right, what can I do to get abroad more? Like, any way I can get abroad, I had done a uh, master's in sports management, so I thought that was the avenue I wanted to take. I really love sports, but I didn't want to start kind of low man on the totem pole because at that point I was like 26, 27. I had had a career before. And then I went to Japan to teach English for two years because that was the easiest way for me to live abroad again, get paid pretty well, and have this experience. So at that point, even though I didn't really want to continue teaching exactly in the classroom, the idea of living abroad and travel trumped getting the career that I really wanted. And then when I was in Japan, I, I decided, hey, I want to go for something on my own. And I started the website. Nice. I think there's a real lesson there, though, that you're, you know, you're, you're teaching, you're doing it. And, and inside, you're like, this is fine. Like, I, I could do this for a little while, but I don't know that I want to do this for the next 30 plus years. And just paying attention to kind of what you're just kind of being self-aware of those things and going, I, you know, if this isn't it, then what is it? And so I can do this for a little bit. But realizing that I'm on this like very slow, gradual downhill decline of in another few years, I'm not sure if I'm going to continue enjoying this as much as I currently do. I think that's important for a lot of people to pay attention to. I got an email just the other day from someone who said something similar. It's like, hey, I'm doing this deal in the medical profession and I enjoy it, but I'm fast forwarding a few years in my mind and saying this isn't this track isn't taking me where I want to go. It's like, well, it's it's important to recognize those things then so you can start making some transitions or start figuring out what does that end result look like so you can begin you know, getting on the right track that takes you towards the type of life and type of destination that you want to arrive at, but you don't want to get so far down the track where you just feel like, oh crap, I'm in too deep now. And so to make any type of transition or pivot just doesn't feel like it's even possible. So so when you're teaching and you're, you're, you're in there and you're like, oh, this is good. I don't mind it, but I don't know that I want to do this for the next 30 years. Are you getting a sense of, I don't want to do this but I don't know what else I'd rather do or I know I want to do that over there or where's kind of your head at at that point? Yeah, exactly. I think the reason a lot of people don't end up doing what they ultimately want to do is they don't know what they want to do, if that makes sense. So, you know, for some people, it's like, I want to do this. I know I want to do this. They can make a clean break and they can jump into what they want to do. I was the person that didn't know what they wanted to do. And so it would have been very easy to stay in the teaching profession because I did like it. And there wasn't something out there, this, you know, the shining light of like, well, I really want that. It was it was this vague notion of, I'm not going to continue to do this for 30 years. I know that, but what do I want to do? So for me, I was sitting there thinking, okay, what do I like? And I do like teaching. I like the teaching aspect of it. So, And I, I've always really enjoyed sports. So for me, there was kind of a jumping off point where I said, if I can get a full scholarship to go back and do a master's degree in sports management, I'm going to do it. Like I'm going to leave a a uh, good-paying, full-time teaching job, which in the Northeast is kind of hard to find. And like I said, it pays pretty well here. And a lot, some people doubted it. Some people were like, well, why are you leaving that? You know, I can't even get a full-time teaching job. Some of my friends are saying that. And you're willing to leave one to go and do school again. Yeah, you're getting a full scholarship, but you're not really getting paid exactly. You know, I, I did have an internship where I made a little bit of money, but it wasn't, you know, this glamorous lifestyle in any way. But I knew that, like you said, I didn't want to get too deep into it. I knew that if I past those three or four years and then I was in six or seven or eight, 
that it would be hard to leave. I'd move up the pay scale. You know, I'd obviously get more responsibilities. I'd be in deeper, you know, I'd be older. So then it'd be harder to pivot. So I just said, you know, I set a goal of, I don't exactly know what I want to do, but I know I like sports. I know I want to do sports management. I think that's people can do that. They can set a little goal of like, all right, if I get a full scholarship, then I'm going to make that jump. And so I did. And, I, and knowing full well that if I did that and wasn't able to figure out what I wanted to do after that year of going for my master's full time, I could come back to teaching. I think people forget that, that a lot of times if you leave your job or your career on good terms, you know, it, it doesn't, there's no reason you can't fall back on that. And what I think a lot of people find out is that they end up not falling back on it because they do find out what they want to do as they continue to progress. But it's not like all of a sudden you're going to be destitute. If you've been working, you have skills, stuff like that, you have to trust that then you can get a job like that again. Yeah, I think that's good, too, that you, you mentioned that, you know, the longer you're in a career, if you're there for six, seven, eight years, you move up the pay scale, more responsibility. And the word that immediately hit me was you just become comfortable. You just kind of settle into this routine and this rut. And it's like, well, I mean, things are going good. And why would I leave? So it's just it's right. easier to shake it up earlier in the process. Uh, because yeah, the, the longer you wait, the, the tougher it is to, to make some type of decision there. But I like the way you frame that too, of, of going, okay, if I get this scholarship, then I'll take this leap. So setting some type of like milestone or benchmark rather than just be like, I'm just going to quit this job on Friday and I'm going to figure it out on Monday. Like that's a horrible plan, but going, I'm going to take some baby steps knowing that if it doesn't work, it's fine, but I would rather try and have it be a disaster than just be like, ah, I feel like I should try. I wish I would have tried. I wish I would have given a shot, but I didn't. So you, you get the scholarship, you go on to, to work on your master's. What happens from there? Yeah, so I'm in school and I, I love it again. I've always loved learning. I especially love the sports management thing because it was like every class that you could imagine, but then based around sports. It was like sports so sociology, sports law. Like I don't care about law, but it's sports law. So that's pretty let's cool. read about this. Yeah, so it was really, really fun. I had a really great year. Uh, my teachers were fantastic. And at that point, I actually started thinking, you know what? Maybe I want to be a professor because then you do have a little more flexibility you know, you're still teaching, but you're teaching what you want to do, things like that. Um, so that was an idea that came to me. And, and a few of my professors said to me, you know, we think you'd be really good at it. You do have the teaching background. You obviously have a passion for this. So it was funny because about halfway through the year, I sat down with my head professor and I said, you know, I might want to go and then do my doctorate. And that would be, you know, another three, four years, what, what have you. But I said to her, if I'm going to do it, the one regret I always had, and I don't have many in life, but the one regret I always had was I had never studied abroad because by this point I had traveled a some, like very small amount compared to what I do now. And I thought my sister studied abroad in Australia. She loved it. You know, she did six months, the same six months that I did in Philadelphia, except she got to be in Australia, you know, basically pay the same amount of money. And she had all these experiences. So I said to my professor, if I'm going to do a doctoral program, I want to do it abroad. And she's like, well, that makes things a little more difficult. Like, I don't really know how that's going to work exactly. You know, I know a bunch of people here in the States. But I knew, so that was, again, my thing. If I can do this abroad, then I might do it. And so, again, I set this kind of small goal, but I knew that I wanted to do something somewhere different. I wanted to take the opportunity. Turns out, you know, I ended up deciding not to do the doctoral program right away because I thought, well, I don't know if I really want to jump into four or five more years of schooling. And the only thing that doctorate degree is going to give me is the idea ability to be a professor. Like, if I come out with a doctorate degree, I can't do anything other than be a professor and, you know, I don't have any experience in the sports world. So if I apply at the NBA, they're going to be like, hey, cool, you're a doctor. All right, start selling tickets. So I said, 
I don't know if I want to kind of then hamstring myself into this career. You know, that's a lot of work to put into to kind of only go one path. So I decided to take an internship. And again, I said, I want to go abroad. That is the main thing. I want to go abroad. I don't really care about what I'm doing as much as being abroad and living abroad. And then I got a job with the International Baseball Federation in Lausanne, Switzerland. So it's basically like FIFA, but for baseball. So I helped organize what is called the World Cup of Baseball. No one's ever heard of it. It's different than the World Baseball Classic, not near as popular, but it's the World Cup of Baseball. And we held this huge tournament in uh, seven countries around Europe. And I was one of the point men for that, for organizing it, doing things like that. Um, And I was there for four months. And when I was there, I thought, this is what I want to be doing. So then it crystallized the point that I, I want to do this. And unfortunately, funny story, the guy I was working for, like the head guy was running to be the president of this organization. And if he had won, you know, he said, like, you're going to be my right hand man. I'm like, this is perfect. I'm going to get to live in Switzerland, but I'm not going to make an intern salary. I'm going to make a real salary so I can actually afford to do stuff in Switzerland. And yeah, be like five days before the election, it came out that he was embezzling money. None of that came to me. I was <laughs> as poor as could be when I lived in Switzerland. So I'm like, Hey, I'm not even reaping these benefits. You know, obviously <laughs> he then didn't go with the election. You know, they they weren't going to let him run, and I got axed as well because they were like, "Well, you you worked with him." Not that they thought I did anything bad, but they're just like, "No, nah, anyone who's affiliated with him, see you later, American. Go back to America." And at that point, I was crushed because then I had come up with what I wanted to do. I wanted to work in international sports, and my one real foothold was completely gone. Anyone who would have written me a recommendation didn't work there anymore. And at that point, like I said, I I was completely crushed because I had now spent a year, year and a half learning and then working, and I had no clue what to do next. So. That's that's such a theme, and so many people that I've talked to, and so many stories I've heard where it's like I'm going along and I'm I'm staying the course, and then like the rug is completely pulled out from underneath me. And maybe it was, you know, like in your case, it's like, I didn't do anything wrong. It's kind of wrong right. place, wrong time type situation. But so many people have said the same thing of going, at the time, it was miserable. At the time, I was just going, what the crap just happened? And this is, I can't believe this is taking place. And it's not my fault. And I didn't do anything to deserve this. Looking back now, would you change anything about that situation? Well, you know, it's hard to say. Like, I love where I am now, so probably not. But at the time, of course, like for me, it I came home kind of with my tail between my legs, not because I did anything wrong, but I went over there telling people, listen, I'm going to get a job in international sports. I'm going to be an intern, but I'm going to go over. I'm going to meet with people. You know, the IO, the International Olympic Committee was right down the road. All these international sports places were right in this city. It's the Olympic city. So I thought I'm going to make all, meet all these people. I had dreams of like, all right, I'm going to work for the International Baseball Federation. Then I'm going to move to the International Olympic Committee. I'm going to work my way up. Like all these cool things of, hey, this is, in, this is sports and this is international. This is exactly what I want. I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to work hard to make it happen. Well, I worked hard, you know, like I said, barely made any money. And then all of a sudden, see you later, go home. And, you know, I felt embarrassed, even though it wasn't my fault. And I also just felt totally dazed and confused because I didn't know where to turn next. Then it becomes, well, now I'm home. I don't have any contacts in the national sports world. Sure, I can put out resumes and I can contact people. But again, like it's a lot harder because now I'm not over there and now I'm, I don't have recommendations and things like that. So for me, it, yeah, I was completely befuddled and I didn't know what to do. And that's when I then decided, Okay, well, you know, what did you like more, the the sports part or the living abroad? And the living abroad part kind of, you know, I I said a little bit higher. You know, I I liked both, but it was living abroad. And that's when I said, all right, well, you were a teacher. How can you then live abroad? And that turned into then going to Japan. 
All right. So walk us through what's that like? How long is that period there where you come home, tails between the legs, trying <laughs> to figure out what do I do now? How long is that period? And then also, what other, like, what are friends, what are family saying? Is everyone just like, dude, you just need to go be a social studies teacher again? Or what's kind of going through your head at that point? Yeah, luckily, my friends and family are super supportive. My wife is super supportive because at this point, then we are going to get married. So right before we went to Japan, we we got married. So at this point, we're engaged. She's very supportive. She says, I want you to do what you want to do. I know it's not teaching exactly. So what happened was I came home in November and I thought, all right, what am I going to do? And I, I, you know, the easiest thing was to apply for some teaching jobs. So I got a long-term teaching job at my old high school, actually, a job no one wanted. Basically, I was taking care of the, the kids. They kicked these kids out to the trailer because they're bad kids. And they're like, we don't want you. You actually can't enter the physical school, but you can be on the grounds. But you have to be in your, like, separate, you know, those trailers that they put up when they don't have enough room in a school. So I took care of these, like, 12, 13 misfits for about six months. And I taught every subject to them, more or less, uh, including phys ed, which was a little hard because we were in this, you know, tiny trailer. We'd go outside. Cell block. And, yeah, exactly. I was, And there, you know, not all these kids were really bad kids. So I don't want people to get the wrong impression. I, I enjoyed it. It was definitely not what I want to do forever. But I just took this opportunity because I said, all right, you're going to be making decent money and you can figure it out. And that's when, right when I came home as well in November, I heard that I could do this teaching thing in Japan from a friend who had done it. And I had to apply by the middle of November. So I did that application right away, but it was a long process. I wasn't going to leave if I got it until July. So we're talking like 10 months here. So I needed to do something else. That's when I taught at my old high school. And then in about May, I got the letter that like, hey, you've been accepting this program to teach in Japan. You're going to leave at the end of July. And the school that I was working at wanted me to stay on full time. I was a little nervous about teaching in Japan, but I knew, and you know, again, I had this full-time job lined up here if I wanted it, and I knew it would probably turn into a better full-time job with being a social studies teacher, like in the building again. I knew they liked me, this and that, but I decided, you know what, I, I'm not going to give up what I wanted to do, and that was live abroad for the stability. So luckily, like I said, my wife was really supportive. We got married in June. Boom, July, we shipped out to Japan. So again, I think there's another great lesson there where you come back, you've got your tail between your legs. And like you said, I think most people would go, all right, I tried it. It didn't work. So let's just go back. Let's get the social studies gig and let's just keep going down that path for the next, you know, 10, 20 years or whatever. But I like the way you handled that of going, no, no, I'm going to get something because in the interim, I've got to, I've got to eat and live indoors. These things are important. So I got to find some type of paycheck, but this is just a this is just a means to an end. And so this is just a temporary thing. I'm just passing through. And so having that mentality going into it, going, this isn't a permanent thing. Right now, I just need a paycheck, but I'm still working on figuring out what do I want to be doing? I tried that thing. It didn't work. That's okay. Let's come back to square one. Let's kind of recalculate, regroup, and, and go from there rather than just feeling like, all right, that didn't work. Now I'm going to give up on pursuing any dreams ever and just get a social studies gig. Right. Uh, and to, to tell people, People, you know, this is how confused I was about what I was going to do. I did get a full-time teaching job, but you know, that was about a month or two after I came home. So for the first month, month and a half, I was substitute teaching, which, you know, feels pretty lowly. Not that that's a bad profession, but you know, after you've done all this stuff, you come back and you just walk into school. No one knows you. You're there for a day. You leave. You know, it was really, I, I, I wouldn't say I was depressed, but I was just, I was down in the dumps with like, man, I took this shot. It didn't work out. And like you said, I, I was close to then just saying like, 
forget it. I, yeah. I, I was really close to doing that. And, you know, I was substituting. I, w- I even took a job selling vacuums, like not exactly door to door, but more or less I was selling these these cleaning systems because I didn't know what I want to do. I was applying for random sales jobs because I thought, well, I don't want to teach. So it was a lot of soul searching there for a good month, month and a half, two months. And I was just trying everything. I think that's important, too, is if you don't know what you want to do, you know, humble yourself because it took a little bit for me to do. It took a little, like I said, a little bit of humbling. But I just said, I'm going to try all this stuff. I was going to, to interviews for jobs that I, I knew I was way overqualified for and and might not want to do even. But it was, you know, it was all this soul searching. And I think that a lot of times people say, well, I'm not going to do this because I've already done X, Y and Z. But sometimes you need that. And that helps spur me on and figure out, okay, well, then what do I really want to do? And it did help me then when the decision came, all right, do you want this full-time teaching job here in the States or do you want to go to Japan? You know, it did help me figure out what I wanted. And I knew what I wanted was to go abroad then. But that only happened because I said, I'm willing to try all these different things and see and see what fits. Yeah, I had a similar story. And, and uh, people can listen to episode one where we talk a little bit about that. But yeah, you're kind of going from a career down to the just kind of that humble position of going, okay, what do I want to do in the meantime? And just finding some type of job, just getting some type of income and just doing that just to kind of buy yourself time. And then sometimes some seasons of life that's necessary to yeah. buy that time in order to figure out what that next step looks like. And so it makes you feel it does make you feel that much more grateful. Like I, I am so blessed now to be able to do what I'm doing. And I feel so grateful for it. And I think most people do. But if you haven't been in that position, you you can't experience the high highs if you haven't been in that, you know, those kind of low lows. Yeah, 100% agree. So you head over to Japan. And at this point, are you thinking, all right, this is my career, I'm going to be a I'm going to teach English in Japan, I'm going to be a teacher there, we're living abroad, we're teaching we're, we've got the best of both worlds. Or are you still kind of in the mindset of this is just buying me time to figure out what I want to do long term? Yeah, Grant, I had no clue, right? I did not know at all what I was going to do. The idea was I'm going to go to Japan. Me and my wife said, it's we're going to go for two years. It was a one-year contract. So we said, we'll probably go for two. We might just go for one. We're not going to go longer than that. In the end, we did end up going for two years. We almost left after the first, but we didn't. We enjoyed it enough, and then we stayed, and we were glad we stayed. But it was totally for the experience. It wasn't, you know, never did I think that we would live in Japan full, uh, you know, forever. I did start then again, I did enjoy teaching. So I started looking at international schools. And then when I was in Japan for that first year, I really thought this is my next step. It's going to be teaching in an international school. So I applied at schools all over the world. You know, the American school in Madrid, I applied in schools in Switzerland, I applied in schools in, in Morocco. And, you know, it was just all these interviews for, for different positions, whether it be special ed positions, which I had my certification for and was usually easier to get in than social studies because a lot of social studies teachers obviously enjoy traveling. So they want to do these international schools as well. But I was knocking down every door with international schools. And I thought, this is what I'm going to do. Like, I'm going to get a job in international school. I'm probably going to be a career long international school teacher. So, you know, it usually works with every three years you or two or three years, you get a job at school, you teach there for two or three, you can stay on if you want, but a lot of people then move on to the next school. And so it, it sounded good to me, you know, two, three years in a country, we get a good paycheck, I'm teaching, I'm enjoying it. You know, I, I think this sounds good. And, and I did interview a lot. I got a lot of a few offers. But in my head, you know, it was weird. My gut like my head was saying, this is your next step. But my gut, it just didn't feel exactly right because I knew that then I was going to do another two years somewhere. Usually I had to commit to two years and that didn't feel right to me. Again, I was pulled with this 
I want to be able to live where I want to be able to live on my own terms. And two years, again, uh, it could be the best place in the world. I got a job uh, offer at this school in Rio in Brazil. Like You couldn't ask for a better gig, right? Even one of my buddies was teaching down there. And in the end, I just said, you know, this doesn't feel right. I don't want to commit to two years. I want to be able to do it on my own, which then begged the question, okay, well, what are you going to do? And that's where I found myself the second year in Japan. So I think, again, again, I think that's another great lesson there of going, "Ah, man, on paper, this makes sense. Let's just find a couple of uh, these type of international teaching gigs and just kind of bounce around. And I'm able, again, to get the best of both worlds. But internally, I'm still feeling like, no, we're closer. We're getting close. And everyone else is like, what do you mean you're closer? You're there. You're doing what you want. What more is there? But paying attention to that little voice inside going, no, 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 there's got... There's got to be something more here. And I think there's a different way that I could do this. And I think, again, that's a good theme in your world is most people would say, hey, if I want to be a teacher, then what's the what's the path to do that? Well, I just I become a traditional teacher and I go to a school and I'm at that school for the next, you know, 30, 40 years until I retire. And that's my career. Whereas for you, you're going, I know I like teaching. I know I like working with students, but the context in which you could do that could look a hundred different ways. And so why do you have to just stay to, you know, at one school or stay at one country when you could travel or do, you know, take that teaching skill set and do that in a variety of different contexts. So that second year, you're sensing like, there's got to be something more. I don't know that I just want to go to to Rio or Morocco. I don't know that I want to just do another gig, even though they all look appealing from the outside looking in. At that point, are you thinking like, let's, you know, let's start a blog, let's start a site or where's your head at? at that point. Yeah, what's crazy about it is that I'm turning down these jobs and like we said, we're getting closer to what I want, but I don't even know what I want. So that's what's interesting about it. You know, hey, here's a two-bedroom apartment on the beach in Brazil. You're going to get paid better than you would in America. And I'm still thinking like, I yes, but no. And so what happened was my second year in Japan, you know, I started learning about frequent flyer miles. I, I wanted to travel. And at that point, we were traveling a lot around Japan, around Asia. I was really hooked on traveling. And so I started thinking, okay, how can I travel cheaper? And I started learning about frequent flyer miles. And it was like falling down a rabbit hole. You know, at that point, there were forums and there was a few websites, but it was all this, uh, it was like another language. It took me basically four or five months to, to sift through these forums, ask questions, and learn this other language. And I started thinking, this is too good to be true. These people are flying all around the world for less than $100. They get to travel, you know, really well, and they're not paying anything. Again, it is too good to be true. And the more I learned, I'm like, no, this is just a loophole or whatever you want to call it, a, a system in place that some people take advantage of and 95% of people don't. And that's why it can still exist. So I started learning about it. I started telling my friends and family. And I've always, like I said, had an entrepreneurial mindset, but I didn't know where it would go. I always am very gung-ho, very enthusiastic about things, but I never knew how to harness that and turn it into something that was my own. I knew I wanted to create something that was my own, something that I could be proud of, but I didn't know when that opportunity would come about, but I always had myself ready. I was always like tuned into, okay, what will the opportunity be? And I tried a few things, not with any any degrees of success before this, but you know, I had read Tim Ferriss's four hour work week. I had read books like that. So I think if I hadn't tuned myself in, I never would have even thought, hey, turn this into a website. Because when I started the site, I thought, you know, this is an opportunity. I did look at it as a business. I thought, I don't exactly know how I'm going to monetize it, but I want to start teaching people. Again, this this teaching aspect, I love teaching. I want to start teaching people about how they can earn frequent fire miles because it's really complicated or it seems really complicated. If I can dummy it down and help people, I'm helping them. You know, I'm learning as I go along. 
and hopefully there's a business behind this. And so my second year in Japan, I when I started learning about it, I started a site, didn't know anything about um, the internet and how to start a site really. So if people a lot of times that'll scare people off. They don't know the technical side. Well, neither did I. And I just said, I'm going to start it and people are going to read it whether it looks awful or whether it looks good. And that helped me because for three, four months, I was really developing my voice and I didn't have a ton of readers. It was gaining a little bit of traction, but it didn't matter how it looked because I was getting better at what I wanted to do. And that was right about it. And and then, you know, basically I was teaching during the day and then I would come home and I probably spent at least four hours a day then doing my site, you know, so it was almost like having a second part time job. But for me, it was so much fun because obviously I, w- I was really in the moment. And I was really excited about it. And I said to myself, if when you leave Japan in August, if you can be making three thousand dollars off this site, then you can do it full time. And so, again, I set that goal for myself, not going to make me rich, but there's a goal there that I was working towards hitting. And Fortunately, you know, and luckily, I guess I was able to hit that goal when we left Japan barely, but I hit it. And the moment I I crossed that three thousand dollars for that month, I was like, you know, freedom, like I've done it. And um, like a little Braveheart moment. Yeah, exactly. And and it was a lot of work. I mean, you know, we're talking three thousand dollars for, you know, what equated to eight months of almost full time work. So if you you know you do the math per hour, I'm probably making less than a dollar an hour. But it was building while I had another job. I think that's an important lesson, too. People think, I'm just going to break away. I'm going to do my own thing. You know, you can do that while you have another job. Just take the spare time that you you use watching TV, playing video games, whatever it is, you know, and, and work towards something else so that then when you do make the jump, it's not like without a safety net. You, you've kind of set yourself up there. Yeah, I like that lesson, too, that, that you've got eight months of just putting in the hustle and just put it in like literally reaping little to no benefit, but knowing, no, no, there's, there is a reason that I'm doing this and this is leading to something that's bigger. And this is laying the foundation for, for what this whole site and what this, uh, you know, hopefully business and company can become, but I've got to put in that sweat equity today in order to get that benefit long-term. Yeah. And you don't really know. I did not know what I was doing. I had a brief idea, like a small idea of monetization. I I just thought my idea of monetization was, okay, I'm going to write a book and it's going to sell a lot of copies and I'm going to take that money and then I'm going to build it into a business. Right. But before I do that, I need the readership. So that was the goal. How do I get my voice? How do I build readership? You know, I was chasing site views, all the stuff that people do when they start a website and I was obsessed with it. And um, and it did help me figure out my voice and my tone. And, you know, really, I, I did grow an audience. And then, you know, I, I made $3,000 a month before I left Japan. That was basically on affiliate stuff. But I knew I didn't want that to be my end goal because I thought that can go south at any point. If people aren't familiar with affiliate marketing, you know, you're selling someone else's product, but they have control over it. For me, it was just credit cards that fit well with the frequent flyer stuff. So if I told you, Grant, hey, here's a really good credit card. Here's how you use the miles and you signed up through my site. I got a small cut of that. And I thought m- most people in that in that niche really hit that and they make a lot of money off that. But I didn't want that to be the goal because I knew at any point that could get cut. Hence, then I, I came home from Japan and gave myself two months to write the book, which I then did. Needless to say, it didn't sell a million copies. I didn't become a millionaire, but it was the next step for me then. Yeah. Uh, again, I like that, that theme that you've got there of going, I'm going to just take the next step. I don't have to have the whole thing figured out. I don't have to have the whole roadmap just determined in my mind of this is exactly the grand scheme in my head of how this is all. I think of like this mad scientist of go, oh, I know exactly where this is going. I'm like, no, 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 no. Like you don't like, I'm just going to take one next step and then let's see where that takes us. And then let's take another next step and let's take another next step. But, and even when you're taking that next step, like you're saying, when you're starting the site going, 
I don't know how to start a site and I don't know how to write well and I don't know how to do some of these technical pieces of the puzzle, but I'll figure it out as I go. You know, a couple months ago, I knew squat about podcasting. I, I learned a lot to now, but it's just a matter of like taking those next steps and going, I, I don't know, but let's figure it out and let's see where that takes us. Yeah. And it's amazing. Even when you take those next steps, a lot of times, you know, things can happen. So for me, I, I wrote the book and so everything was going really well. December of 2012. I had had my site for a year. Readership was really spiking. You know, I was making money off the affiliate marketing. I also had the book. And like I said, I knew I didn't want affiliate marketing to be the whole part of it, but I it, it was a very nice chunk of change. And that's how everyone was making their money. So I was like, this is great. And I'm doing everyone a service. Like it's no harm on them. I'm helping them pick the right cards and I'm getting paid for it. Well, fast forward to my birthday, January 3rd of uh, 2013, you know, everything was going well. I was doing this full time. I was telling people, I do my site full time. I was so happy. I was so proud of myself. And that day, credit card company came to me and said, you know, we don't like what you're doing because you're teaching people how to use these miles. More or less, they didn't want people to know, right? They wanted people to sign up for the cards, not redeem the points because then they'd have to pay out. And uh, they didn't like the fact that I was making it easy for people to learn. And they said, we're going to cut you. So you can still tell people to get our cards and they're the best ones out there. So I still did, but we're not going to pay you for it. And so in one day that was $6,000 down the drain that I was like, wow. You know, and I was probably for the first time in my life, I was definitely depressed. I mean, this was lower than it had been when I came home from Switzerland because I had worked hard to build up something that was my own thing. And they pulled it away from me right away. And all of a sudden I was left with all right, well, now you're telling everyone you're doing it full time. And what are you going to do? You know, at that point, I wasn't making enough off just my book that I could even really say, all right, I'm going to do it full time. And that sucked, man. That was really, really brutal. So were you thinking about throwing in the towel at that point? I was. I thought, okay, what am I going to do? And at that point, I said, all right, I'm going to start substitute teaching. I, I wasn't going to throw the towel in on the site and the reason was I had worked too hard to build it to where it was, and I had the readership. So I knew, okay, if I can figure out a way to monetize it, the people are there, and, and I've made a difference. You know, That was the big thing. I was helping people. I was getting emails every day of people sending me pictures saying, like, I'm in Zimbabwe because of you, and I got here for 75 bucks, or I took my family of five to Disney World. I never would have been able to do that, and we flew here for 25 bucks, and you're, you know, you're helping us make our dreams come true, and it sounds hokey. But it was it was 100% true. And that's why I thought, I, I can't give up on this. Like, I know I'm doing something that I love. I know I'm helping people out. And I know that I've worked hard to get here. So I'm not ready to throw in the towel completely, but I need to make money. Um, and, you know, I guess now looking back, it's a blessing in disguise. It's still hard for me to say that without laughing because I remember how much it hurt, especially on my birthday. I just was like, I didn't want to be around anyone. There's right. a party plan. I canceled that. I'm like, no one come over. Like, I'm not, you know, this is I don't want to see anyone, uh, which for me is is not like me at all. And so I thought, all right, I might start substitute teaching. And then, but it, it made me hustle again. So then I thought, okay, well, I had this audience. How can I make money? If I can't make money off these credit cards, that's how everyone else is doing it. What can I do? I have the book. What's the next step? For me then, it was like, all right, I'm going to take this skill and I'm going to use it for consulting. So people had been coming to me and saying, will you help me book this ticket? Basically, I was a travel agent for people who use frequent flyer miles. Will you help me book it? I don't understand how to use these points. I have 100,000 American Airlines miles. I want to go to Europe. So it was not exactly what I wanted to do because it's very time intensive. You know, if I spend six hours trying to help someone book a ticket and we don't get them the ticket, you know, I don't get paid. So, you know, I would have rather been writing. I would have rather been doing my site. But at that moment, I needed to do that. So I figured out how to take the skill I had and make money off of it. And I said, 
all right, well, at least this is better than going back and substitute teaching. It's not exactly what I want to do, but it's better than the alternative. And so I started doing a lot more of that. And just like you said, to pay the bills, to get by. And then the next idea I had a couple months after doing a lot of that was, all right, how can I make this more general? And I started a video course, which has been wildly successful and has been so much fun for me. And it's basically a cohort where I take 30 students at a time and I walk them through. It's a month long course, step by step by step, how they can earn frequent fire miles to then how they can use them. You know, we have conference calls and it's really become some of the my favorite things that I've been doing because these people you know are learning from me and now they're taking that skill and they're able to do it for the rest of their lives. So again, that was an idea of like what is the next step? You know, what some how can I provide value for people that people are willing to pay for and is worth it? And then I had the video course and then that was able to help me make more money and and then become more successful to the point that then I was doing it full time and I thought all right, this is really actually working out and it's all my own products and my own hard work. No one can take this away from me. I love the theme throughout this, this, uh, you know, your entire journey. If we were to ask, you know, how'd you get into that? That if you look at where you're at today, the path of travel that is, that has led you to where you are today has been just literally and figuratively all over the map. But you know, the, those ups and downs are those things that have ultimately led to this spot and going, you know, the, my birthday was supposed to be one of the happiest days of the year. It turned out to be one of the worst days of the year. But fast forward, today I look back and go on, that forced me to hustle. It forced me to really think some stuff through and, again, wouldn't change anything about that, but realizing that that has led me to the, the spot that I'm at today. So let's wrap up with this. If you were to talk to yourself even just five years ago, what advice would you give to yourself? Is there anything that you would do differently? Yeah, it's funny. I was thinking of this while I was watching the World Cup because, you know, four years for me, a lot of it revolves around sports. And four years ago, I was, you know, with those hooligans in that trailer at that school. And we, you know, during phys ed class, whatever it is, we turn on the World Cup, you know, right before they they were set to be finished for the summer. And I thought that is crazy. Four years ago, I would have no idea that I'd be traveling so much that I'd know about frequent fire miles, that I'd have my own site or anything like that. And if I was to look back, I mean, yes, I'd like to say, man, I wish I had started earlier. You know, I wish I had started a site earlier. I wish I'd been entrepreneurial earlier. Then I would have had all these, you know, even more experiences. But you can always say that. And I think what I would really tell myself five years ago is, you know, don't be afraid to try something new. Don't be afraid to take that leap because I did it, but I was very hesitant to. And and it does take a lot of guts and it takes a lot of courage. And you can plan it out a little more like we've talked about rather than just breaking free completely. But it was hard. And if I know now what I knew, you know, if I know then what I knew now, I wouldn't have been as scared. And that's why I would tell anyone who's in this situation of like, yeah, that sounds great, Trav. You know, it did work out for you in the long run. I would say, you know, it worked out because I was willing to work for it, but also because I took that first step. And I think as you can probably attest, Grant, the first step is by far the hardest one to take. And once you do, you figure it out. As they know from my story, it's not linear. It's all over the map. But I'm to the point now where I'm doing something I love. I'm doing well for myself. And I, I really, really enjoy it now helping people out. So just go for it. You know, take that step and you don't know where it's going to end up. But if you never take this step, then you're never even, you know, you're going to be stuck where you are right now. Yeah, for sure. Great stuff, man. Trav, thanks for sharing your story with us. Thanks for sharing your journey. For people that are listening that want to know more about you or your site or more that are going, I want to take that trip to Europe or Australia or Bali or how do we find out more about you? 
Yeah, you can go to extrapackofpeanuts.com. That's the that's the site. That's where everything comes from. You know, there's a podcast there for people who are interested in listening to uh, not only travel stories but also other entrepreneurial stories. You can, you know, you'll find that on the site as well. If you want to connect with me, I'd be happy to answer any emails. You know, that's Trav at Extra Pack of Peanuts on Twitter. It's at Pack of Peanuts on Facebook. Extra Pack of Peanuts. You know, we connect with people. I connect with people in a lot of different ways. I'm. I really, that's why I continue to do it is to hear people's stories and to help them be able to travel. So if you're sitting there and you want to take a trip and you think it's impossible, you know, I'm here to help. Good stuff, man. And uh, I was on the, uh, the the podcast. I don't remember what episode, but we can link up to that. We'll link up to all those uh, social media links on the website and uh, email in the show notes as well. So Trav, good talking to you, man. Always good uh, catching up and talking life. We'll catch you soon. Yeah, it was my pleasure. See you, buddy. Boom. There you have it. I hope you enjoyed that uh, little conversation and chit chat with my buddy Trav Sherry of Extra Pack of Peanuts. Make sure you stop by and check out his site, check out their podcast. They have some really, really good information there. And a lot of I've learned a lot just from him and, and learning how to travel, how to travel the world and how to travel for free. And again, like I kind of alluded to, I think what makes his story so cool is is how he just he and his wife decided to make travel a priority. And then they they lived it, you know, because there's so many people who say things like, you know what, my family's important, or this is important, or that's important, but then their actions just aren't lining up with that. If you tell me that travel's important to you, but you haven't taken a trip in years, that doesn't make any sense. That's not that's not congruent with what you're saying. So figure out for you what is important, and the more than just saying that, then build a life based on it. Whenever I say that travel is important to me or my family is important to me or making an impact is important to me, I really mean it. And I, I like to think, I'm not perfect at it, but I like to think that my actions and the way that I, I live my life is lining up with that. So what is it for you? Like what really matters to you and how do you build your life around those things? So if it's travel for you, it may be something totally different. Maybe it's a hobby. Maybe it's a passion. Maybe it's starting a business. Maybe it's just being an insanely good husband, father, wife, mom, sibling, daughter or something. I don't know. Whatever it is for you, what is that thing that's really, really important and make sure that you're building your life around that? Whenever I said that uh, one of the things that we really value as a family is adventure. So that's why I've, uh, you know, I, we announced recently we're getting ready to move to Nashville soon. And this is something that a lot of people are like, why are you doing that? Like, because it's an adventure. And so instead of just talking about living an adventure, we want to actually do it. We've, we've lived in the same place our entire life and there's nothing wrong with that. But we just decided, hey, let's, let's take an adventure. Let's, let's step out of our comfort zone. Let's step out of, of what we're used to, of what we've known and step into the unknown and just, just see what happens. And it may be great or it may be a huge disaster but you don't know unless you try. So figure out for you, what is your priority? What is it that you want your life to be known for? And how are you building your life around those things? So really good stuff today. Thanks, Trav, for hanging out with us. Hey, uh, we've got something new we want to try here. I get a lot of email questions from from people and listeners, and I I love hearing from people. So uh, as always, you can email me anytime, grant to grantbalden.com. But we're uh, putting together a a listener Q&A episode, just a little special episode. So if you are interested in asking a question and having that question be on the show, feel free to go over to this site. Go to grantbalden.com slash ask. grantbalden.com slash ask. And there, you can just record your question for us. And it can uh, just give us your name, uh, where you're from, give us a quick, short and sweet question. And we will uh, we'll do our best to answer that on an upcoming episode of the podcast. So I'd love to hear from you. 
grantbaldwin.com slash ask. Make sure you swing by. Check that out. Hey, as always, thanks for the uh, the feedback so many of you have left on iTunes and Stitcher. If you haven't had a chance, we'd love to get, a, get some feedback from you. Uh, a five-star rating or review really helps us out and it helps other people find the show. You can go to grantbaldwin.com slash iTunes or grantbaldwin.com slash Stitcher to check that out if you would so like. Well, hey, one final wrap-up. We'll give a quick shout-out here to our sponsor for today's episode, 99designs. Listen, get a design you love. I mean, I'm talking professional, high-quality results. One of the things that's really cool about 99designs is you literally, you have access to over 315,000 graphic designers. These people are like really insanely good at what they do, and you've got a lot to choose from. So everybody has different tastes and preferences when it comes to design, but this way you get a lot of different looks to what it is that you are trying to create. So make sure you stop by, you check them out, 99designs.com slash grant. Again, that's 99designs.com slash grant. You'll get a $99 power pack of services for free today. So thank you, 99designs, for sponsoring the show. People, make sure you stop by, check out their site. Tell them thanks for sponsoring this so that we can continue to make beautiful podcast music for your heart and for your soul. That was random. We're going to wrap up with that, boys and girls. Hope you enjoyed this episode 31. We'll be coming at you again with 32 later this week. Peace out. Thanks for listening to the How Did You Get Into That podcast with Grant Baldwin. Don't forget to visit grantbaldwin.com for all the show notes and links discussed in today's episode. We'll see you next time.